0: Let's pray. Holy Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, shape us, mold us, give us greater faith, greater love in Christ Jesus. Unite us as one body through your love, your grace, your mercy, and through your word. And we pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how many of you remember the musical, Annie Get Your Gun. Show of hands, anybody remember that one? All right, there's a few. So there's this one song in there that I bet even if you don't know the musical, you know this particular song. It's a duet done by Annie Oakley and then her... uh, her eventual love interest, Frank Butler. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Right? you remember that one? And so they go on, and they keep trying to top each other. And later in the song, it says... I'm superior, no, you're inferior. I'm the big attraction, oh no, you're the small. I'm the major one, oh no, you're the minor one. I can beat you at anything, and that's not all. That, I believe, is the theme song for the church in Corinth. They had so much selfishness and pride that they were dividing themselves. There were so many factions because. I can do anything better than you. I have the better one that I follow. If you remember, in chapter 1, way back when we started this, some say, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. To which Paul responded, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? We didn't even cover this, but there were lawsuits within the church of Corinth. That was another division. And then last week we talked about the division that there was even in the Lord's Supper where there should be unity. They were dividing between the haves and have-nots. There was another division. Chapters 12 through 14, really, are about the division created regarding speaking in tongues. So... Some thought tongues were the spiritual gift you should have. And if you didn't have tongues, well, you were the have-not, so to speak. And everybody should be able to use tongues in any way they want. And so what you had in their worship was a cacophony of gibberish. There was no order in the worship whatsoever. And by the way, you have the idea of the superiority of this spiritual gift To this very day, in the Charismatic and Pentecostal churches, they would say, you are not saved unless you speak in tongues. And then they will preach and teach and try to have everybody speak in tongues. Divisions within the church. But there's not supposed to be that division, is there? There's supposed to be unity within the church. And last week, if you were here, uh, or or you're at home, you're watching, you heard about the unity that we have within the gospel and within the sacraments. So last week, I quoted a little bit from the Augsburg Confession. And the Augsburg Confession said this, It is also taught that at times there must be and remain one holy Christian church it is the assembly of all believers among whom the gospel is purely preached and the holy sacraments are administered according to the gospel and then they go on they say for this is enough for true unity of the christian church that the, that the gospel is preached harmoniously according to a pure understanding And the sacraments are administered in conformity with the Word. And then they referenced Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to bring up what they reference. Ephesians chapter 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. What's the word that keeps popping up in that one? One, right? Not Paul doesn't emphasize two or three or four. He says one. And that's really at the heart of the matter today. Unity in the body of Christ, or we would say one body in Christ. And so, keeping, keeping with the simplicity of what we've been doing with this particular series, it is this. How do we become one? one body. That's the first part. The second part is, how do we function as a body? So how do we become one body? And then how do we function? How does the body function? So before we actually get to our reading, because it's in the middle of the chapter, I've got to do just a brief, concise summary of what he's talking about. In the beginning of chapter 12. We actually covered this back in the spring, but I would be surprised if anybody remembers it. So, a little bit of context, right? So, Paul has been writing about spiritual gifts, because there's this division. And he says, chapter 12, starting verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So that's a really important one, right? A lot of different gifts. We all have all sorts of different gifts. But it all comes from the same God who is given the gifts... For the common good. That is for the body of Christ. Even though there are a variety of spiritual gifts and a variety of how those gifts can be used, because some of us might be given spiritual gifts that are the same thing, but they are applied in different manners. They all have but one source, God Himself. God Himself. And all for the common good. Okay? Okay. That's a concise summary of what he has been starting regarding spiritual gifts. Now, let's get to verse 12 from our reading today. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So to get you thinking about this a little bit, about the coordination of the body, I'd like to start off with this. Ah, right. You've seen how babies, first of all, who would, I'd love to have that flexibility again, wouldn't you? <laughs> right? But they're born, and they've got this body, but they don't know what this body is. And so there's this, and I can't lift my foot that high, even though I do put my foot in my mouth, but that's a different thing. But but they kind of go, oh, what's this? Is it food? <laughs> right? So they chew on that foot, and it's like, no, that's not f- food. Huh. Oh, there's another one. And they put the other foot in their mouth, right? And they explore their body And it takes a while for them to realize that this body is all connected, right? And then it takes a while for this body to be able to coordinate itself, to be able to crawl and eventually walk. And they really don't have a sense of self until later on, right? It develops along the way. You get the analogy, right? And by the way, how many of you have little scars on your chin from falling? Yeah, see? What are heads for? They're for hitting the coffee table. That's what the heads are for. So we but there's a coordination, there's a growth, a progression that happens with babies. It is the same with the church, the body of Christ. See, as a body, we all have different Skills, abilities, gifts that have been given to us. And when a church gets together, people are going, I don't know, am I a hand, am I a foot, am I an eye? How do we all work? How do we all coordinate with each other, right? And especially then a new person comes in and, they, and, and the body goes, well, I wonder what that is. Is that a foot or a foot, mouth, eye, you know? And, and the person who's coming in is wondering the same thing. How do we all coordinate? the problem is most churches stop at being individual members who just kind of gather every once in a while sundays maybe special events and actually aren't the full body of christ their identity is still i'm a member of the church that's where i belong but i'm not the but we're not the body of christ Do you understand where we're going with this? So what does it say? It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of a body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So here's what we would expect this to read, by the way. The last part of the verse for verse 12. Though many are one body, so it is with the church. Right? We would expect so it is with the church. Because the church is the body, right? But here Paul says, so it is with Christ. And what you find out is that Christ is the body. The body is Christ. See, when Saul... Paul, Saul, was persecuting the church. On the road to Damascus, Jesus intervened. And he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting the church? He said, why are you persecuting me? Because the church is his body. And in Matthew, He gives this parable, and at the end, he says, Then he will answer some of them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And then he says, as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So there's a greater representation of what is happening, of what the body actually is. You see, the the mark of a mature church, the mark of a mature church is that they first and foremost have their identity as the body of Christ. Not the body of joy church, but the body of Christ, first and foremost. So how does that body come into existence? Paul answers this. He says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Listen, when you are born again, it does not matter your background. It does not matter your education. It does not matter your economic status. It is the Holy Spirit who brings you to life. It is through, the, in and through and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are born again. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus? He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, together, right? Water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Part of being born anew is to be baptized. It is in and by the power of the Holy Spirit in baptism that brings you into the body of Christ. It is in and by the power of the Holy Spirit has you be born anew and baptized into the body of Christ. You see, last week we, we talked about how the Lord's Supper is not just symbolic, right? Neither is baptism. See, baptism's just this not this outward symbol, but it's truly an inward transformation in which you are a new creation. In and by the power of the Holy Spirit's baptism, you are bound in body and soul to the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ, and that's now who you are. See, so many churches have that, I belong to this church first. And you get all these little tribal churches then, rather than to say, I belong to the body of Christ. And my fellowship of believers then is called Joy Church. That's first and foremost. That is how we become the very body of Christ. See, when you understand that you're part of the body of Christ, that you are the body of Christ, It brings together a unity, and it brings together a unity among other churches in which you all stand for Jesus and his gospel. Okay, so how does this body function? Well, let's go to verse 15. I'm going to read verse 15 through 21. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Okay, so Paul can be really dense, very theological in his writing. This is one of the clear parts, okay? You understand that? Just as a human body has many parts... It's all one body, right? And you can't have this hand saying, I'm not part of the body. It's it's part of the body. So each part of our body has a particular purpose. So it is with the gifts you've been given, spiritual gifts. Each gift is given for the health of the whole body. Makes sense, right? Right? What's the problem with that? There shouldn't be a problem with this. However, we make it into a problem. The problem is we elevate certain gifts above the other one. And I actually did use this this past spring. We think that being eloquent in speech is a much higher gift than as if you were the big toe. Do you remember that? Now, I know big toes isn't a spiritual gift, but you go along with the whole body analogy here. Is the big toe important to the body? Yeah, it really is. It is. It's for balance. And you know that if your big toe isn't working, it's very hard to walk. So as the body of Christ, we being the body of Christ, there are gifts that are given, but one's not better than the other. Being a pastor isn't better than anything else. I know we understand that intellectually. I know we understand that intellectually, but it's really hard to consider, isn't it? You have to understand, we must remember that just as the human body is God's design, so the body of Christ is God's design. We are God's design. As it says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. This all makes sense, but yet, we want to do a hierarchy. No matter what, we discount our gifts that just mine aren't as good. I may not be the big toe, I'm probably kind of like the middle toe, and I don't even know what the middle toe does. You know? Kind of like that. But there really actually is not to be a hierarchy within the body. All parts of the body are valuable. It says this, verse 22, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So we are to love one another and care for one another also as the body. Not just individual members, but the body. It says this, verse 24 and going through 26. But as God has so composed the body, giving great honor to the part that it lacked, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffers together if one member is honored all rejoice together you know this that if one part of your body gets out of whack the whole body gets out of whack right and we know this because of all the different surgeries that have been throughout this congregation when the hip goes out when the foot goes out when the shoulders go out right head shoulders knees and toes When one part goes out, the whole body suffers. In the same manner, when one of us suffers, the whole body suffers. When one of us are rejoicing, the whole body rejoices. Just as there are going to be a renewal of marriage vows today, it is rejoicing in the body of Christ. So, he says this. Now you are the body of Christ and indi- individually members of it. Here the word it, you is plural. So in the south it would be all y'all. Right? All y'all. All y'all are the body of Christ. And to be a body of Christ means that you must be an active member within the body of Christ. It doesn't mean you say, I'm the body of Christ, but then I'm just off by myself and I don't engage in the rest of the body. It is to be an active member in the body of Christ. Now, I know that there are physical limitations that people have. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people, and I'm sure you know them. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. There's a really lack of understanding then of what it means to be the body of Christ. And a lot of people who have been worshiping online, and then traveling, and then coming back, have rejoiced at being part physically in the body of Christ. I know that because people have told me so. You see, Christianity is never meant to be a solo sport. I know I've said that before. But Christianity is never meant to be a solo sport. It's meant to be lived out in the company of the body of believers. It's the body of believers who lift you up when you're down. When you're discouraged. Who lift you in prayer who come beside, your, beside you. It's the body of believers who rejoice in the good things that are happening in your life. It is the body of believers in which you learn more what it means to love, to have grace, mercy, to repent, to forgive. This is what happens when you are part of the body. Those things don't happen Outside of the body. They can, but not to the degree that God's design, that we've been given as God's design. The body of Christ is special, it is a beautiful thing. We are the bride of Christ. That is who we are. Remember this from the gospel reading? the glory that you have given me i have given them that they may be one even as we are one i and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me you see the very basis of our unity is the love of god for us and thus our love for one another And where do we find the love of God for us? In the gospel. In the gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That's the gospel. That He suffered, died, and rose again. The gospel. God showing us His love. And where else is there unity? It is within the sacraments. In the sacraments, we find forgiveness of sin. We find new life. We are strengthened in the sacraments. And we find unity together as His body. As His body. Now I know that He gave different gifts and He also gave an order, part of the design for the church. But nothing in this design says one is better than the other. It says this, verse 28 through 31. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And of course, he's asking these rhetorically. The answer is no. We're all one body together. But he says this, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. And so next week we're going to learn more about the excellent way. But for now, today, let this sink into your hearts, your minds, your soul. You are the very body of Christ. That is your identity above everything else. We are the body of Christ. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have been baptized into the body. So you have a new identity. And you are born again. And God has gifted and placed you within the body for His purpose, for His glory. God has not made a mistake here. God has placed you within the body for his purpose, for his glory. I'm going to read the reading from the gospel one more time. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me and loved them, even as you have loved me. So to him be all honor, glory, majesty, and power and might. Amen.